When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Yeah, that's sad news today from the world of Canadian football. You heard Brendan Escott talking about it in his sportscast before the 6 o'clock news. Michael Souls has passed away at the age of 54. Michael was originally drafted into the CFL by Edmonton, fifth overall in 1989, played seven of his 11 CFL seasons with the green and gold, then went on to Montreal and was a member of some really good teams with the Alouettes. Remember, they returned to the CFL from Baltimore in the mid-90s. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi posting this on Twitter today. Ambrosi says, sad to hear about the passing of my friend and exceptional teammate, Michael Souls. I know Michael loved life and how much he loved his family. Today, the people that knew him feel a deep and profound sadness. The qualities he exhibited each day should inspire us to make the world a better place. He will always be remembered as someone who made a difference. Randy Chevrier posted this on social media, remembering Michael Souls as a hard-nosed football player and the backbone of the great Alouettes teams in the 1990s. Chevrier goes on to write, he was a loving family man. Uh, family man. ALS robbed him of many things, including his life, but it never robbed him of his fight and spirit. Rest in peace, Mike. Condolences to your family. 16 years Michael Souls lived with ALS. His uh, He was uh, living in Montreal. Uh, his mother in in her late 70s was uh, had become his primary caregiver over the years, and uh, I was speaking to, to a member of the E football team alumni earlier today saying that they were actually in the process of uh, working to provide some assistance to uh, Michael Soul's uh, mom to help uh, care for Michael as uh, you know, and we know what a awful disease ALS uh, is as you know, much of his uh, movement and uh, ability to speak and uh, eat normally and things like that uh, had been taken away by the disease. Uh, so the, the double E uh, alumni was rallying to, to help Michael and his mother, but unfortunately we lose Michael today at the age of 54. That is a tough one for sure. Well, thank you for tuning in tonight. We have a, a lot to discuss here at Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. If you're an old friend, good to talk to you again. If you're new to the show, nice to meet you. I'm always happy to hear from you. You can text 780-496-0063. That is also the open line number, the hotline presented by Certainty Professional Grade Building Materials, 780-496-0063. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D. W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you are inclined to write a good old-fashioned email, you can do so by sending it to InsideSports at 630Ched.com. We'll have Kelly Rudy on the show a little bit later on for his final thoughts on the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup again. We'll focus a bit on the two goaltenders in that series, Andre Vasilevsky, who wins the Conn Smythe as the playoff MVP, and Carey Price, who was outplayed by Vasilevsky in the Cup final, but probably the main reason that the Canadians made it as far as they did. So we'll dive into that with Kelly as we move along tonight. I do have a couple other football notes here uh, I want to get to. Tough news for the Edmonton Elks offensive lineman Kellen, uh, Colin Kelly. 
suffered a, uh, a torn pectoral muscle while training. He's going to have surgery tomorrow. So the recovery time is three to five months. Now, when the Elks put this out today, they said he's going to miss the start of the 2021 season. Well, okay, it's July 8th. So all of July, all of August, all of September is three months. And if it takes five months, uh, October, November, I mean, this could cost him the whole season. We'll see. Uh, But that is a tough one for Colin Kelly on the Elks offensive line. How about this in Saskatchewan today? This is this is shocking. And this is awful news for the Rough Riders. And I know we have uh, members of Rider Nation who listen to this show, who live in Edmonton and Northern Alberta. This is uh, borderline unbelievable. During a non-contact workout today, four players... Four Rough Riders players suffered season-ending Achilles injuries. Linebacker Larry Dean, who in 2019 played for Edmonton. Defensive back Nelson Lacombo. Defensive end Freddie Bishop. And running back Jonathan Femi Cole. Four players in one day in what is still an off-season non-contact workout because training camp doesn't actually start until the weekend. Four members of the Rough Riders done for the year already because of Achilles injuries man oh man that is uh that is tough to see and uh hey if you've ever listened to me I am no fan of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders I know I'm a bit of a troll sometimes towards their fans I take no joy in seeing this that is just awful that is I I mean like I said it's the, the word I think the word unbelievable gets thrown around in sports a little too much I try not to use it but that is borderline unbelievable you you'd have four guys get injured on the same day in an off-season non-contact workout, and it would all be Achilles injuries, and they would all be gone to the season. That, that is really tough riding, uh, tough timing for the Rough Riders, so they'll see how they deal with that. Now, the Elks are getting ready to go. Uh, I believe their first on-field workout is going to be Sunday. Uh, it looks like the uh, all the medicals and physicals and that kind of stuff will be on Saturday. I think we're going to hear from uh, head coach Jamie Elizondo and GM Brock Sunderland tomorrow, so we'll get you some audio tomorrow night on Inside Sports. But there's some of the things going on with the Canadian Football League. In the NHL, we brought you the game yesterday. The Tampa Bay Lightning win again. Quite a little run for Tampa St. Pete, the two uh, cities down there. Of course, there is no city of Tampa Bay. There's just a bay. The Lightning win the Stanley Cup in September. The Buccaneers, led by a gentleman by the name of Tom Brady, win the Super Bowl in February. And now the Lightning win the Stanley Cup again here. Uh, well, it would have been July 7th last night when they won it. Quite a run. So, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll break it down with Kelly Rudy a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about the Lightning. I want to I want to discuss uh, some of the things that I, I, I see that the Oilers are lacking here, having watched the Lightning win the Cup and other teams do well in the playoffs. But one of the storylines out of this, Nikita Kucherov after the game. We have Nikita Kucherov. Media, please raise your hand if you have a question. We'll start with Joe Smith, the athletic. Joe, let's hear it. <laughs> Just, let's uh, how would you describe your congratulations? Um, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I don't, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's a f- back to back, and yeah, I I couldn't sleep for three nights. 
You know, and to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year, they, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull****. Number one bull****. Wasi took both cups. You know, and he took MVP and I was keep telling him, he's MVP. He's the guy that... <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today and... You know, he kept us in the game and another shout out for, by him. Remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy. We, I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? John Romano, the, Tampa the, Bay Times. Their final was last, last series. Okay. All right, that's you've probably heard that already. That's Nikita Kucherov after the game last night. You know, I'm going to tell you something here. Um, if I were a younger man, perhaps less seasoned, perhaps less wise, and I don't consider myself wise on the grand scale of things, but I'm wiser than I used to be, that might be the type of thing that I would come on and I would get upset about and I'd pick it apart and I'd say, why did he say that? And how dare he say that? And why is he disrespecting Montreal? And now, you know, I'm sitting here in my late forties and I'm thinking, well, you know what? We complain about athletes not showing any personality. He showed some personality. You know what else? He's drunk. (laughs) Like the dude's drunk. He won the Stanley cup. He's pounding beers. Well, he's got to do a media availability because he sure isn't going to be in any shape to have done one today. I, 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 I haven't talked to anybody, but I'm guessing the media relations guy is, was thinking, well, I guess we got to do this now with Nikita and hope it just goes okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm not too upset about it. And you know what? He's probably right. That probably was Montreal's uh, cup just getting to the final. Uh, when they beat Vegas, because they weren't supposed to beat Vegas, and they did, and they got to the final, and and they got beat by Tampa Bay. So here's the off-topic topic tonight. If you want to try to make old Wilkie laugh on a Thursday night in July, what do you think your post-game Zoom availability would be like if you were drunk after winning the Stanley Cup? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Put yourself in Nikita Kucherov's position. And, and, of course, also English isn't his first language, though he's obviously pretty good with it uh, by now. But that's what I'm saying. So if, if you want to have – you, you got to try and keep it clean, especially if you call in or if you text in. you got to make it so I can read it. But, hey, like if you won the Stanley Cup, you get off the ice, you pound a few, and then your media relations guy says, oh, uh, hey there, Jerry, you got to go talk to the Stony Plain Inquirer. What's the paper in Stony Plain? I don't even know. Somebody tell me. Does anybody Stony? I think it's a Stony Plain Inquirer. It should be if there isn't. I'll start the Stony Plain Inquirer if there isn't one. But it's like, hey, you just won the Stanley Cup. You know, you, you, you got to talk. What was the paper in Evansburg? We had a paper. In, was it it might have just been the Pemina Press. You got to talk to the Pemina Press. You're probably not going to be at your most, your most eloquent. So that's my uh, question today. Well, how do you th- what do you think you would say if you had to do a drunk media availability after you just won the Stanley Cup? All right. Uh, John writing in, he says, Reed, here's my thought of the day. A wise man once said to his wife, nothing. 
because he's a wise man. That is, is that that must be our uh, friend John who often calls in with uh, riddles and uh, clever jokes and stuff like that. Randy from Lloyd Minster. Hey, good to hear from somebody from the border city. He says the injury to Colin Kelly isn't that the same injury Sir Vincent Rogers had last year? It put him out for the entire season as well. Uh, I believe Sir V had a torn tricep. I do. It, I uh, I do not think it was a pectoral. I believe it was a tricep. Actually, I'm quite sure it was. But yeah, good question. I, I originally thought of that as well, but different injuries. And somebody says the Stony Plain newspaper is the Stony Plain reporter, while Spruce Grove has the examiner. All right, I want to learn as much as I can about small town. Well, I guess those aren't small towns. Smaller cities or small town newspapers. That'll be one of our goals for this summer as well. 780-496-0063. We're off and running inside sports on Chet. Uh, Greaser has written in answering the question how would you sound if you had to do a drunk Zoom availability after winning the Stanley Cup Greaser says there'd be lots of profanity and I'd say bring on the dancing girls and put the champagne on ice (laughs) All right, there you go Greg and Lacombe says if I was in Nikita's shoes at that moment I'd say where's the prettiest girl in town haha that is from Greg in Lacombe you know, I I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Greg. Does look does the comb not have? Is it Lacombe or Innisfail that has a really nice golf course in uh, in that part of the province? Or maybe it's both. Because uh, I believe a couple of years ago I was going to go down and place something in that area, and it didn't work out. Is it Innisfail or Lacombe? Help me out there, Greg. Colton says, hey, Reed, I still never received my canned hams. I was looking forward to having it for lunch. Does Ched not mail to small towns with P.O. boxes? (laughs) There we go. We'll try to get those out to you, Colton. How's how's Reed the calf doing? I'm sure he's coming along nicely. All right. If if Reed the calf is anything like a, a young Reed Wilkins, his eyesight is terrible, and he'll need glasses at a very young age. <laughs> All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, here's a guy I haven't heard from him for a few weeks. He was a regular caller to overtime open lines during the Oilers season. Always enjoyed hearing from him. Robert is on the line. Robert, how's it going? How you doing, Reed? Good. Wow. First, uh, well, first off, I want to start with. Uh, no, I want to start with, uh, I guess, what I would have been like if that were me and Kucherov shoes drunk and talking to the media. I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say about ninety percent of what I would have said on the air, so I, I won't even start. But, <laughs> but, anyway, I mean, but I mean, anyway, I guess, uh, I, I guess, uh, further to that point, I want to talk a little bit about just like. Uh, like uh, just how skilled and deep of a team Tampa is. is I mean, like, is I mean, like, is a, you know, is Montreal good? Yes. Did Montreal did Montreal earn the right to be there? I, I'd say they did. But I mean, Tampa, when you've got, when you've got, when you've got a, 
when you've got a when you've got a goaltender like Vasilevsky, you got Kucherov, Samkos, Point, good, you know, Gord, Gudero, Palat. When you got when you got a roster like that, with uh, with when you've got four lines that can you got four lines that can put the you got four lines that can put the puck in the net. You got you got defensemen that can chip in and once in a while put the puck in the net. I mean, you know what? I I mean, you know, as as much as I wanted to be optimistic for you know for a, a miracle that Montreal would pull it off before the before the series started, my prediction was Tampa in four and or Tampa in four or five at best. And in this case, I happen to be right. So I guess so. I guess I'll finish with this. For the for the Oilers this uh, the Oilers this off season they need to it's simple they need to they need they need to add depth it's I, I think a guy like a guy like Hyman would be great if we can get Keith that would be great we get guys the guys like Holloway come in come in next year maybe maybe not do I think we need an upgrade at net even if we do if we do manage to keep Smith yes. My opinion is, if that if that Oil King bully Kosa is there at 19, I take him. Personally, I doubt it. Based on yeah, I'd, ta- I'd take him. I don't know if he's going to be there. I would take him though. Absolutely. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, like based on based uh, based on watching him play. I mean, like, uh, and I've seen him as I like I, I've looked at several several mock drafts, and and based on the ones I've looked at, I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him going 15th to Dallas. I've seen him. I've seen him going as high as 11th to Chicago. I even saw him going as low as 23rd to Detroit, which, quite frankly, shocked me. But, yeah. but uh, I guess. But I guess. Uh, anyway, I guess. Uh, I guess I'll leave it at that. Reed, nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Thanks a lot for calling for sure. Also, want to get Dan in here before we get a break for the news in a couple of minutes. Dan, you're on with Reed. Go ahead. How are you doing tonight, Reed? Quite well. Good. Hey, I just want to say there, you're talking about Innisfail Golf Course. There, actually, there's a hidden little gem in Innisfail. You'd love that golf course. But there's also a golf course over by the Colm area that has actually a par six. Can't think of the name. I'm sure. Oh, is it? Uh, is it the nursery? I believe that's it. I believe that's it. They got a nice little course there too, and that's a huge, long par six they got out there. The nursery is, I'm just quickly Googling it, see if because I think you pass a sign for the nursery on the way to Red Deer, don't you? I believe so. It is the nursery. Okay, yeah, the nursery's just north of Lacombe. Okay. And, yeah, so yeah, go, yeah. They're, uh, they're great courses. Yeah, I'd like to, I, I try to, like, I like playing Riverside because it's so close to where I live, but I try to get out and play a few different courses. Uh, I went and played Athabasca a couple of years ago. That was pretty fun, so I'll have to try yeah, and go south this year. There's some nice ones in and around Alberta, and as far as Nikita Kucherov, that's my version of a hockey player that just won the Stanley Cup. That was perfect. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Dad. Okay, that was Dan and Robert also called in 780-496-0063. That's also the number to text. Uh, We'll touch on a couple. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Voilers thoughts when we get back and Kelly Rudy before 7 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Storyline for the Edmonton Oilers. Mike Smith, I would say, likely to be re-signed. Ken Holland said, well, almost a month ago now that he was going to talk to Mike Smith, and we'll see where that goes. Right now, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the only off-season question mark that has been answered. Uh, I enjoyed Robert's call about Sebastian Cosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who uh, is likely going to go in the first round. And as he said from the mock drafts, there's a range between, what, about 11 and 25. Somebody texted in and said, if you're Ken Holland, would you... Uh, try to trade up to get Kosa. I, I think, I mean, if it's me, you'd probably wait and uh, try to, you know, see how it's going out. And if there's a team ahead of you that you think you might be jumping on Kosa. Now, I also don't know where the Oilers have him ranked on their list. The Oilers uh, will draft 19th overall. I, I was on with Shea earlier today and I said 20th, which is, Correct, but not correct, because Arizona has forfeited their first-round pick. So I was uh, when you look on a page that has the draft order, it has Edmonton 20th, but then you look up and it has Arizona forfeited pick. So the Oilers are actually going to have the 19th pick, even though some sites will put it down as uh, the 20th pick. It'll actually be the 19th player selected. We're going to have draft coverage right here on 630 Chet, of course, the evening of Friday july 23rd and then during the day on saturday july 24th that'll be uh, the next little bit of live nhl coverage for you here on 6 30 chat thanks a lot for tuning in tonight 780-496-0063 is uh how you can get in touch nba finals continuing tonight phoenix and milwaukee we'll keep you updated once that one tips off in about half an hour edmonton stingers on the uh, home court tonight at the expo center they're going to be taking on the saskatchewan rattlers the cebl i think has done pretty well they debuted in 2019 uh with my schedule i was only able to go see one game live and uh, i really enjoyed the the quality of the ball i enjoyed the venue at the expo center it was cool for me seeing some guys I'd, I'd watched a few years ago at the U of A, including Jordan Baker playing for that team. Jordan's still playing for the Stingers. He's now the head coach of the Nate Ooks men's team as well. And then last year, they uh, they did a tournament bubble in Ontario, and the Stingers won. And then this year, the Stingers are going to host the year-end tournament. So uh, some things to look forward there on the basketball scene. Absolutely. Blue Jays rained out today. Um, you know... Watching the Oilers, seeing other teams in the playoffs. We're talking a lot about what are the Oilers missing. And I, you've, you've heard me say this a thousand times if you're any sort of regular listener to the show. I, I do think the Oilers are a good team. And now they're trying to become a great team. They have some great players. They have some really good players. I think then they have a you know fairly significant drop-off in some areas of the roster, which, is, which has held them back. Um, 
I, I mean, I know some people get down on the team, and this this is not the, the team of five, six years ago where we're talking about trying to play meaningful games in March, and then that gets pushed back to December. And then I, I'll never forget a few years ago, this gentleman called in, like, just despondent. And he said, I just hope the Oilers can make it to November and the games still mean something. Like, that's 12 games into the season. I, I think we're past that. Now, I'm not saying the Oilers are a lock to make the playoffs. I think they should make the playoffs. I think a lot of it for them will probably come down to goaltending. I mean, let's face it. If the Oilers have uh, a slight drop-off in the quality of net mining this coming season, they can probably still make the playoffs. If they have a really noticeable drop-off, that that could cost them a playoff spot. Now, we'll see. The division may not be too great, but so much of it, as we know, comes down to goaltending. I do think one thing they're missing, and I, I want to clarify here because I don't want you to think that I'm just beating the Duncan Keith drum. But like I said a couple of days ago, if we look at Ken Holland's history, this is clearly the type of thing he would do, and he's certainly seriously looking into. But the Oilers, to me, need more hockey smarts and they need more savvy. Now, I, I want to clarify what I'm saying because I'm not coming on here and, and trashing the team and saying they're a dumb hockey team because I don't think they are, but I, 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 I would not clarify them as a smart hockey team either. And I'm, I'm talking about the team as a whole. I mean, clearly there are some brilliantly intelligent hockey players when it comes to hockey IQ, but the, the, and, and again, the one team I, I so enjoyed watching last year in the playoffs and again this year was the New York Islanders. And yes, they have they have skill, but they, I mean, they don't have the high-end skill like Edmonton, Colorado, and Toronto, and, and you know Tampa Bay, and even some of those other teams. But look, they've made it to the Final Four two years in a row, and when you watch them play, the, they make quick decisions, and the puck goes into the proper place on the ice. And then they try and go get it. And I think that's something the Oilers are lacking. Like, especially when you look at their depth guys, and we talk a lot about the the depth players on the Oilers that they don't provide any offense. Well, do they provide that, whatever you want to call it, that hockey IQ, that jam, that savvy, that where you a depth guy's on the ice and you think, well, he's not going to score tonight, but darn it, he is going to be so hard to beat because he's going to put the puck into a place where the opposition has to go chase it and he can slam a guy into the ass, into the glass. Pardon me, bit of a slip up there. But do the Oilers have that element to the game, to, to, to their game, especially in their bottom six and and, you know, maybe on defense as well? So, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be Duncan Keith, but if you could get somebody like that that's going to play intelligent with intelligence and can play a little bit greasy and know when he can put his toes or his foot over the line and, and not get a penalty or goad somebody else into a penalty, I think they're missing that element. And I think that's another thing that's separating them from becoming a top-tier team. Speaking of uh, Duncan Keith, we had Ben Pope on the show two nights ago, covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago uh, Sun-Times, and uh, he broke down Duncan Keith's game. The arguments on, on both sides are fair. I mean, the, the Hawks have been pretty much a disaster defensively the past two or three years. Um, so no one has particularly good analytics, good numbers in this system. Even Connor Murphy, who I feel like has been 
far and away the team's best defenseman the last two years. Uh, you know, is well below 50% in, in every category. So it's not like anyone is looking good. And there are a lot of young players who may or may not be NHL caliber at this point who have been getting a lot of minutes, and, and that's contributed to those lower numbers. Um, but to me, I feel like Keith has definitely slowed down from um, you know, where he was uh, a few years back, even the couple of years after the 2015 Cup run. And he's still handling a lot of minutes, so it, it makes sense that maybe in a, a smaller role, playing 17 minutes instead of 23, uh, he could have a bigger impact. But to me, it just seems like he's his legs have slowed down, his decision-making has slowed down, and uh, he's just not the, the same player he used to be. He was a bit turnover-prone. He, he lost some guys, and he made some good plays too, and, and he was put in a lot of tough situations that a 37-year-old probably shouldn't be in. But uh, I, I feel like his play is is, you know, not the best at this point. All right, so there's a bit of a breakdown from uh, Ben Pope, which I don't think surprises anybody. Duncan Keith is not the player that he once was. Would he be good enough on the Edmonton Oilers in, say, a second-pair role? We had a lot of that chat on Tuesday night, and I'm sure we'll continue chatting about that from time to time until there's some resolution to this situation. Hey, we got to get to Kelly Rudy for the last time this season. He's up after the break. Tuning in tonight, he has joined us every week throughout the NHL season. His final appearance until the fall, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian Store, Canadian Try Four Weeks Free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. I, uh, you know, I didn't expect this final to be over in five games. Uh, I, you know, when Tampa raced out to a three nothing lead, I didn't think it would go. Uh, seven, but uh, you know, leading into it, I kind of thought it might be a six or seven game series. But nonetheless, I think Tampa really proved how good they are, uh, depth wise, and uh, they have the best goalie in the world. And when you have a combination of great stars, depth, and a great goaltender, uh, you have a pretty good chance of winning. Okay, so what happened that you didn't think would happen, or what weren't the Canadians able to do that you thought might? gain them an extra victory or two in this series well their lack of scoring and uh they just couldn't really get much going uh the power play wasn't working well uh but their top players just weren't able to put the puck in the net and uh it really dried up for a lot of guys a lot of their good players had long dry spells guys like gallagher now i would never ever question the character or the work ethic of a guy like gallagher but you know, he had a hard time scoring. I don't know if it was related to the injury that he had just prior to the playoffs and might have been bothering him through the uh, the entire playoffs, but his production was down. And, you know, a guy like Deneau is a fabulous hockey player, but uh, he just can't score. And, you know, his, throughout their lineup, Anderson was uh, very, very streaky. And to me, that was the difference in the series. Yeah, well, and th- that's what made the Canadians interesting for much of the season. And maybe one of their biggest strengths was also a weakness in some ways because there wasn't really a drop-off from line to line, and that kept them going and could be a real strength. But did they have that 
game breaker when they really needed a goal like Point or Kucherov or McKinnon or McDavid or Matthews. And, and uh, you know, I know some of the guys I listed didn't go deep in the yeah. playoffs, but you know what I mean? When yeah. it's with 10 minutes left, you think, okay, the big guy's going to score. Montreal maybe didn't have that guy. Yeah, and, and it wasn't really a threat either. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking of a guy like Toffoli, right? He had a really good regular season but and, and partially the playoffs. But unfortunately for him, it dried up for him also, right? And and I don't know. I, I always use this, and I hope it doesn't come across as a, an excuse. But you look at the, you know, the way Toffoli played in the finals, and he just didn't have the jump. So maybe he was fighting something too, right? Because, you know, he's not the most explosive skater, but he just wasn't getting there like he was earlier in the playoffs in the regular season. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Andre Vasilevsky wins the Conn Smythe. Um, you know, you and I have talked a lot over the years about styles of goaltenders yeah. and, and the size of goaltenders. I mean, is he, well, I guess maybe this isn't fair to, to, to ask you, but we can have some fun speculating. Like, is, is he the leading edge of the next generation of goaltenders or is he the culmination of, of, of the current generation <laughs> we've seen building for, for a couple uh, decades maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be the leading edge of the next generation simply because his style is a little bit unique unto himself. And, you know, he's very, very explosive. We showed that many times in the playoffs. And uh, maybe he doesn't look quite as smooth as a guy like Price. Not that there's uh, a right or wrong in that answer. But I just think that a guy like him, he's, he's big. He uses his size well. Um, he's maybe a little bit more like a Dominic Hoshik where, you know, he's got all the technique that you need, yet he's more willing maybe to ad lib a little bit when uh, he recognizes that he might be in the wrong position or he, he's just got to do something really, really powerful to get across the crease. And so uh, it's a combination of, man, you've got to be really, really strong, really trust your edge work. And I think that for me, it's his mental toughness also that really separates him from most of the guys. Uh, like, I, I can only think of one game in the playoffs that he was bad, and it was a game versus Carolina, and it was an after, it was a Sunday afternoon game. I can't remember what the score was, but I think it might have finished something like 6-4 for Tampa. And, and that was the only game I can really think that he had a poor outing. Other than that, you know, he is just rock solid. He just doesn't seem to feel the pressure like everybody else from time to time and i think that's one of the unique qualities that he has you know carrie price took some of it on himself last night saying that especially early in the series he didn't play well enough i mean hey that's i think some of that is being a good teammate and athletes at that level have incredibly high expectations of themselves is there anything to that did you think price's game dropped off even a little bit from earlier series or what did you see well, the first two games in the series, I have to admit, I, I thought that the mistakes, the key mistakes were made in front of him. And yeah, maybe he didn't have a spectacular momentum changing save or a big timely save in those first two games. But I didn't think it was really on him. I, I thought game three, he wasn't as sharp as he needed to be. And so there's where if you're going to point the finger at yourself, maybe in that one, but I'm with you. I think it was more being a really good teammate. The last two games, of course, he was uh, very, very good. Um, but, you know, it's the finals, and you need somebody to do something special. And Vasilevsky was the guy that did something special in every game, and, and it wasn't Price. 
Well, and Kelly, I'm going to touch on something with you, and and you and I have gone the, down this road before, but you know, it's it's one of my recurring themes, I suppose, as I've done this job and been someone who's enjoyed watching sports all of my life. And yeah. that is, how do you measure a good team? And you know what? Tampa Bay can blow some teams out. They blew the Islanders out in a in a playoff game. Um, but I, I always think to myself, I, I don't judge a team by how many blowouts they have or easy wins, so to speak. I judge a great team by how many times did they maybe have an off night or their B or their C game and they still figured it out. And to me, that's Tampa Bay in game two. I, like, they really shouldn't have won yeah. that game, but a combination of, you know, Vasilevsky and, and just finishing the chances they had. And, and, and maybe that's the one we look back now that, that really turned the series. But that's, that's really what I've come to think. Show me a great team, and I'll show you a team that can maybe have a, a lousy period or two, but have the, the guts and the willpower or the brains to figure out a victory. I totally agree, Reed. You have to find a way to win games with your B game and and maybe uh, B minus. And you look at uh, Tampa, they can do that. The great teams of the previous years have all been able to do that. And it, it, every team can win when you have your A game, right? Because the parity in the league. But you rarely have your A game, right? Like on a consistent basis. You're always trying to find... Uh, you know, your third line scoring, you're always trying to find, you know, depth scoring, you're always trying to find some scoring from your back end. And, you, you know, when you have your B game, or a little bit below, and you're finding those guys that rise to the occasion, then you've got a good team. But if you're always waiting for your team's best performance to win, you, you're probably not going to go very far. You most likely won't even make the playoffs, right? That's how close it is. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight at Inside Sports as we're breaking down the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup for the second consecutive year. We took it in five games over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Kucherov's comments after the game. <laughs> Personally, I, you know, I, I, when I was uh, when I was younger, maybe I would have found uh, let's get irate about this, but I and now I figure. You know, we all complain that players never show any personality. Well, okay, did he run his mouth a little bit? All right. But, you know, if he's motivated by Montreal fans cheering an overtime goal, I figure good for him. Athletes are always looking for some kind of motivation or chip to put on their shoulder. Well, and listen, I th I don't think it's any secret. He had a few drinks in him, too. So, right. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a big part of it, right? And uh, so I, I was watching that. And he's shuffling the beer can down the end of the table. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if he'd regret what he's saying, but it, it makes more sense to me because, you know, he's a passionate guy. He's feeling the energy. He's had a few drinks, and now he's going to speak his mind. And, you know, I'm sure it upset a lot of people, but to me, there's, you know, there's a reason why, and, and I don't, I don't uh, pass judgment on him. All right. Playing hurt. You got to do it really all season long, but especially in the yeah. season, you know, Ducharme listed off uh, a bunch of Canadians injuries. We, you know, we found out exactly what was wrong with Alex Kalorn and he even said he was hoping to play. I don't know if that was realistic. Wow, let, let, right. let me ask you this from your experience. I, I mean, certainly the players and teams do their best to hide their injuries from their opponents and from media and from the fans is yeah. it possible even for teammates to hide how bad it is from each other, or is it just too close quarters to do that? Oh, no. Uh, you rarely share your injuries with your teammates. You know, 
you, you, you might see them in the, in the medical room. And then, you know, so you sort of identify what everybody's going through, but you rarely, you know, mention like how bad is it? Or can you keep going or something? You just assume that you're getting the care you need to get on the ice. And, uh, I know it's hard for some people to understand, but you know, if you're healthy enough to be in the lineup, that's what you're judged on, right? Not what uh, injury that you may have been playing through or might have. And so uh, it's just common knowledge. I would say, Reed, typically about a month into the regular season, you can expect that virtually everybody's got something going on. And, and maybe, uh, you know, it might limit them by 30% or 20%. But everybody's got something, and, and nobody's immune from it. So uh, I would expect that uh, everybody on both teams had significant uh, injuries that they were trying to deal with, and you don't complain. That's just what it is. And you you have to have a real high pain threshold, and otherwise, basically, you wouldn't even get to that level, right? If you don't have that high pain threshold, you're going to be eliminated at some point through minor hockey or junior or collegiate hockey or something along those lines. Well, heck, you said a month into the season. I think Rob Brown has said nobody's healthy after the first game. Maybe that's just Rob's well, mentality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it, it, we're, we're both on track with basically the same thing, right? At some yeah. point, and it's early on, that uh, you've got something. Now, usually uh, there are a few guys that get beaten up so badly in training camp simply because, you know, they might have a groin issue or uh, a core issue, something like that. But hopefully that number is low, like might three or four guys, but you try and get through training camp as healthy as possible, but that's not always possible. All right. Well, Kelly, another year for you coming on inside sports. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on i appreciate it i know the listeners love you but uh, i hope you have a great summer i hope there are several golf scores in which the first <laughs> night or maybe even a seven kelly i got high hopes for you <laughs> i'm okay and if uh, any of your listeners are in predator ridge and they see my lovely wife don and i out on the patio having a caesar after uh, our round because we like to spend quite a bit of time at predator come over and say hi and maybe we'll have a beer together Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.